Coach Ben here, and you are listening to The Benchcast, your first stop for strength talk and all things bench press. Now, kick back, relax, and let us entertain you. And remember, you can meet us on the bench. Hey guys, Coach Ben here, and you listening to The Benchcast. Welcome to the show. Coach Ben here. Small arm, leg strong. And it is nippy. Pretty nippy out. I really think it's not that bad. My house is around 65 right now. Maybe. I think it's lower. I'm freezing my ass off. We had the morning wake-up call at 45 degrees. It was beautiful out. I have, uh, I'm sitting here with gloves, hoodie, shirt on underneath, big sweatpants, boots. And Elvis is sitting there, sneakers. He's got a hoodie, but he's got shorts on. But he's got high socks, so I guess that makes up for a little bit. You got some leg coverage. I got my hoodie on. You can get it at bigbenches.com if you're watching the video. Um, I'm sitting on my hoodie. We can get that there too, but I got the beanie on. Check out our beanies. Got some new stuff coming out. Anyways, guys, I'm ready for Christmas. I don't know about you. Everyone keeps making fun of me because I want to jam out the Christmas songs. But I am ready. You're trying to skip over the Halloween songs. There are some classics out there that you are missing out on. I was been listening to Monster Mash. Monster Mash on repeat twenty four seven. I just want to get to some Christmas music. So I want to get into the festivities. I want to cut down a tree. I want to hang the ornaments. I want to do all that stuff. And I want to do it now. I'm ready to go. I've been ready to go since September. I've been ready to play Christmas music, but everyone's in such a bad mood. They don't want Christmas to come. They're trying to be like the Grinch and trying to hold off Christmas. And I'm like Santa over here. I'm trying to promote Christmas, trying to promote the hell out of it. I'm trying to cut a great promo on Christmas. Anyways, oh. to get on with your show today, we're talking shirted benching versus raw benching and the differences between the two. So I guess, obviously, the best place to start, since not everyone knows about equip lifting, is what the hell is a shirt? What is shirt of benching? Um, then pretty much, what the hell is a bench shirt? I'm sure a lot of people are wondering that right now as I mention it. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. But I think it would be good to just go over that in the first place and why shirt and benching, in my opinion, is way cooler than raw lifting. Uh, you know, the raw lift imposes its own challenge, but, uh, you know, my first love is always for the equipment, and I just love shirt benching. Um, it's just totally different, so many more variables, but uh, so to get into it, best way to describe a bench shirt, really tough, really tough to do for someone that don't understand. Um, it's like wearing tight-ass jeans, but on your upper body. So you can't move your arms. You can't do much. It's like a straight jacket. You should, you should go out there and put on like 10 to 15 of your regular T-shirts, long shirts and everything, and just try to move in that. In reverse? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a reverse T-shirt. You ever um, flip it over your head and it's on like that? It's like wearing a slingshot times 50. Just got to layer those bad boys on. So I'll kind of give you the picture of it. It's like wearing a straight jacket slingshot times 50. But... It's not cheating because it's its own form of lifting. And for all your raw lifters out there, you got to understand equip lifting was all there was back in the day that was lifting. There wasn't any raw. It was just, that was it. It was equip lifting. That's how it started. Raw really started to come out when uh, all those raw dudes started to look like bodybuilders. Yeah. Then there was like yeah, a big boom. Everyone started looking good. 
thing with the quip lift, and we'll get into it, is body weight plays a huge role. It's just one of the variables you got to account for. And the bigger stomach you got, usually the better off you are. So right now, off-season, I'm trying to develop my beer belly. And that's usually my off-season protocol, get that beer belly going. Uh, and just gaining weight in general usually usually plays out pretty well in the shirt. Um, but no one likes fat asses. You know what I mean? They don't want to be at the beach being a fat ass. People have a weird association with, with having that power belly. Everyone wants abs nowadays. Well, abs aren't so special, guys. They don't give you a big bench. But I do understand the aesthetic portion of it um, and how everyone's kind of drawn to that rock-solid raw look. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know what it what it is, but everyone's drawn to the raw lifting now. It's just the ease of use, I guess. You could just go into the gym and lift. You but, don't need like a team. You don't need partners. You can just kind of go in by yourself, kind of. Well, what fun is it if you're not strapping yourself up to a million different things and trying to bondage yourself and throw 300 more pounds on the bar? That's fun. Do it with <laughs> your friends. You should have friends for lifting. Anyways, um, so sure to mention. Guys, it's like straight jacket times 50, um, slingshot. It's not really like a slingshot. I hate making that comparison, but just so you guys get the idea of what the hell a bench shirt is. Uh, I'm sure you've seen them in some competitions. It's kind of far and few between, but quit lifting starting to make a comeback. Uh, you've seen it more and more, right? Yep, yep. Uh, even in the gym, seeing more and more lifters getting into it. Um, maybe not your commercial spots because that's almost impossible to do, but at least in your little powerlifting team group circles and in those powerlifting type gyms, uh, you're seeing a lot of equip lifting pop up. I think um, a lot of lifters are seeing it for the first time, starting to get intrigued by it, um, and they want to start playing around with it. Uh, we had guys coming over on uh, our Friday sessions who have seen our lifting in the shirts and now they're intrigued by it, and they want to jump into it. So they're all getting shirts. They're trying it out, and it just kind of spreads like wildfire. Because who doesn't love lifting more weight? Why lift less weight when you lift more weight? You just lift more weight, and it's the competition. You know that you're allowed to wear those things. So uh, I think a lot of people just transitioning over to that to try something new, give themselves a new challenge. I think the raw thing kind of gets boring after a while at least it's boring to me i i wouldn't have very much fun just transition back over to the raw stuff and i do want to try to get in a raw bench but uh there's just so many more variables and that's what i'm going to go into why uh the shirt invention i think is just so much funner than the the, the raw stuff is this is so many more variables and i was talking to someone in the gym last night about this because uh, he didn't know what a bench shirt was i was going over it with him um, and there's just so many more variables at home. It just changes the game. You got to account for um, things like your body weight, for example. If you fluctuate, we're talking just pounds, just a few pounds, two to three pounds, um, you know, that could really change how the shirt reacts with you. You know, either you're fitting it, the way that you've been training in it or you're not fitting it and it could be different week by week could be different based on a meal you had uh typically i'll try to load up before a bench session with sushi a lot of sodium i'll put some soy sauce in there I'm always dipping that soy sauce on my sushi <laughs> and uh 
that will bloat me up a bit. So you know, you get that carb bloat, that sodium bloat, and the shirt feels different. You can feel right off the bat when you're trying to slip your big old arms in it, uh, for my little old arms, but if you have big old arms trying to slip it in the shirt, um, you can feel the difference right away. So body weight plays a huge role. I remember my first equip meet, I bombed out on the bench, to many people's surprise, but um, that was the first time I ever cut 27 pounds, and boy, that was a bitch. And uh, the shirt did not fit quite how I expected. Squat suit seemed fine. I did reload back that weight to almost full mount. I'm, I'm maybe missing two pounds, but I was right back up there to 220 after weighing 198. Um, and I remember squat going really well. It was three for three. But the bench shirt, as soon as I put that thing on, I slipped into it like butter. And uh, it did not go well for me that day. 550 should have been an easy opener at 198. And uh, it, it was anything but easy. Missed the first one. Second one, missed that too. Almost had it though. Third one I actually did get, but the butt was off the bench. But probably needed that leverage at the time because I was not pressing anything in that thing. Um, then I learned, got the shirt pinched. But uh, yeah, body weight, guys, is just one of those variables you got to account for. If you're a raw lifter, you know, you don't want to be down in weight because having more weight on your side is an advantage. But if you lose four pounds, if you're not bloated that day, you know, it's not going to make or break you, you know. Um, body weight in the shirt is going to make or break you. It make a big, big deal. Um, just this last me too, I, I did the summer lean challenge we had going on at the gym. I did look pretty good at the end of it, but I was not fitting my shirt how I was used to. Um, and it's tough, too, is you're constantly changing body weight because now if you're not training regularly, say you take a couple weeks off, even a week off of the shirt, you go back into your shirt, and all of a sudden it feels different. You can't touch the weight you were touching. Um, so it's a constant shit show, and you got to be in, like, that, that fine line of where you need to be with your body weight. But I like that. It's just one of those variables you got to account for um, that's different than raw lifting. The shirt modifications, making adjustments to the Bef shirt. Before you go there, let's bring it back down to the basics because I know mm -hmm. a lot of people ask, what is single ply, what is multiply, and what's the difference between the two? Oh, so, so the difference in single ply, multiply, you might have seen. Um, so we'll start like for your big federation, USAPL, IPF, that's single ply only. They don't have any multiply. Most other federations have multiply, um, and all that insinuates is just different amounts of layering. So multiply could be as many layers as you want. And you don't want to necessarily jump to um, three, four, five layers because anytime you're adding material, sure, it might give you a bigger boost, but it's just going to be so much stop to it. Uh, you're going to need 1,000 pounds even to get anywhere near your chest. So that's just another variable. Uh, more layers you have on your shirt, the tougher it is to do what you need to do. And sometimes you don't want as many layers. Some lifters are actually better in single ply. Um, single ply shirt feels very different than a multi, for the most part. Uh, depends on like your materials and whatnot. But if you grabbed yourself an Inzer Rage X and an Inzer SDP, um, there's some profound differences there between those two shirts. Um, single ply, very easy to learn and easier to touch. Will stretch out a lot. So if you seriously want to compete high-level single ply, um, you've got to be probably constantly 
replenishing your single ply shirts. You're going to get maybe a couple good meats out of them eventually. If you're not going up in body weight, that material's stretching out and you're just not going to get the pop that you need out of it. But that's a good point. Single ply versus multiply. It's just the layers, um, single layer versus multiple layers. So uh, just another variable to think about is how many layers in your shirt. But then also how you modify your shirt um, for the lifting. So, for example, uh, there are different techniques you could do to get more out of the shirt you have, say as pulling down your collar to get more of a stretch, um, you know, pinching the triceps, kind of torquing the arm sleeves in. Uh, those are all modifications that can be done to the shirt in the midst of your lifting um, to just have the shirt fit differently, act differently. So you got to have a little strategy too, like opener, right? You're not going to want to uh, probably jack up the shirt a ton. It depends how you've been training and how it fits that day, but um, you're probably going to need the shirt rather loose per se or not jacked up a lot so you can touch with that lighter weight. And then as you go on your third attempt, maybe that's something big for you having never hit. Um, so you're going to be jacking up the shirt a good degree, jacking down the collar, torquing the arm, pinching the sleeves, whatever, whatever you're doing. All right, so you can just see, just from a couple examples alone, how different that is from raw lifting. Whereas raw lifting, none of that goes into play. You know, you're not thinking about any of that stuff because you shouldn't really have a trouble touching any weight or you're just pretty immobile. Uh, but you know how like some guys need a shit ton to get down to depth for Can't the squat. Even, yep. Um, but hopefully that's not the case in your bench. You're probably going to have a hard time um, you know, in terms of shoulder issues. But um, you, that's not stuff you're thinking about raw lifting. So if you're a raw lifter, these are all things you don't have to think about. You don't have, you, you, body weight, you have to monitor a little bit. But um, you know, it's not going to make or break your performance. Uh, you, know, you don't have to worry about how you're wearing your shirt and what you're doing to it. Um, modifications in terms of getting the sleeves pinched, something I did after my first multiply meet because uh, I knew if I was going to cut that weight again, which I planned to, to try to make the Arnold that year, uh, that shirt had to fit me tighter. Even if it was going to fit me tighter during training, that was something I'm going to have to get used to because as soon as you drop 27 pounds, things are a lot different. You know, there's no way I could have prepared for that unless I actually did it. So that first meet was very valuable in understanding how things are going to fit once I drop that weight. All right, so uh, modifications, jacking up the shirt, all other variables, technique. Before we go on technique, we got a question from NY underscore Z, the big Z. Mm -hmm. Anyone know how much shirt design has changed over the years? If any, what is your favorite shirt and why? You know, I know that we used to have the old school denim shirts. When we went upstate to Monster Bench, we actually saw a dude in the old school denim shirt bench. Yeah. And they still make those. I think people use them more back in the day. But in terms of gear transition through the years, starting out, things were real basic, and it was more for protective measures than anything. Um, keep guys around longer. Uh, you'd wear that. Because the shirt does have protective properties, and you're taking a lot of load off in the bottom, just like a slingshot would. You know, the one of the selling points of the slingshot, right? Save your shoulders, teach you correct form. So the shirt was first made for protective measures. So no one was trying to get a huge increase in weight, and you probably weren't going to get a lot. Think more like the Inzer Blast shirts that you see for like 40 bucks on their website. Uh, that's more or less 
what the shirt was originally. Um, and it was single, a single pod. Um, and then over the years, it, since people are competing in these things, and just like anything, uh, the longer it's around, people trying to get an advantage any way they can. So over the years, it's transitioned to make the biggest, baddest shirt that's going to give you the most on your bench. Um, so you, you start to see all these crazy suits, multiply suits coming out. They're doing all these things like grid stitch and stuff. Um, now bench Daddy has a shirt out now. I was seeing that in use last meet. That thing looks wild. Uh, but it's all in an effort to keep advancing these shirts and to where they are now. I mean, man, the single-ply shirts of now are way more advanced than the multi-ply shirts of then. Um, just a huge progression over the years. You know, I wasn't lifting back in the early 2000s. Uh, I, mean, I was lifting in my basement as a little kid, but that was the amount of it. Um, but you talk to some of these guys that have been around it for a long time, it's night and day between uh, what was available then and what was available now. Um, so yeah, that's it. It's just trying to continue to progress the shirts. I think that answers the question, right? Yeah, it's pretty. What's solid. available now? Would you ask something? What's available now? Yeah, and um, then um, what is your favorite shirt and why? Oh, what is my favorite shirt and why? Uh, so I'm trying to kind of figure out. Like I haven't been in a ton of shirts, so I'm still playing around with some different types. Um, I do have a super katana now, and. I've liked how that felt in training sometimes, so I'm still playing around with that. I'm going to try that on Friday here and um, you know give that a go. Again, try to start breaking it in. But I have you know lived and died by the SDP and some of the Inzer products most of my career so far. And uh, I love the SDP. Now, I just got another one. I'm probably going to end up rolling with those for the meets, what I'm familiar with. They all act a little bit different. So you do have to find what you like. Um, in, turn, it's just, in turn, just playing around, you know, playing around in these new shirts. It's an expensive hobby. These shirts are not cheap. <laughs> They're like 300. Um, you're lucky to get anything 200 unless you're talking single ply. Um, some like either like 400 as well. So not a cheap hobby, especially if you want to play around in multiple shirts. That's why it's good if you got a group of guys and you can all kind of um, – try each other's shirts on and stuff but um yeah i got i gotta say the sdp just because i've ride and died with the same shirt since my first 600 up to now 710 um and it, it's been good to me so i just keep seaming up those those stitches starting to rip a little bit on me and things gotta be pretty old but uh you can repair all this stuff and uh i gotta go with the inzer sdp so say it. The hammer came down. The judge and the hammer came down. <laughs> I would like to try one of those Bench Daddy shirts on. They look freaking wild. It's like a huge-ass Bench Daddy. The thing's solid. I don't even know how to describe it. The thing's solid. It's just like solid Kevlar layering, and you just can't penetrate the thing. But uh, it was real interesting. you got to stay really wide with that Bench Daddy. Uh, everyone you know, wasn't tucking in and touching low. It would throw you out of groove. Yes, they really high closer to the collar and uh man that thing looked pretty interesting but it seems like it's a very fine groove because you know obviously you touch low to throw back and ride that groove back but now you got to touch high and you don't really have room to throw it back so it's a very fine strict line you know you can't get out in front of you you can't get too far back so interesting 
I'd like to play around with them, but again, this is an expensive-ass hobby. I'm thinking back on the amount I just spent this past month <laughs> on just stuff, the shoes, the shirts. Oh, my goodness. Don't even want to go there. Everyone go to bigbenches.com, get yourself a hoodie. <laughs> Support the bench hobby. Yeah, you got to keep supporting the bench. But uh, anyways, we're going to move on to technique. All right. Um, and you know, that's one of the variables I wanted to cover. Things are very different. We just talked about how the bench daddy shirt's a little bit different. Uh, but I'm actually going to get into some of the technical aspects now of what changes when you're raw lifting, you go over to the shirted lifting. All right. Setup. We just did a video on that. Setup changes big time. Obviously, because you don't have the use of your arms very much anymore, uh, you're pretty restricted. And for those watching on the video, pretend you're in a straight jacket, shoulders rounded forward. And that's pretty much what it is. That thing's sucking everything forward. Um, you have to kind of fight against it, and you can't move your arms very far. I and mean, this is all I go with my arms. Just to show you, I can't really bring my arms outside shoulder width because uh, I just can't do that without weight. It's the whole idea. So um, setup's going to be very different. And what I was talking about in that video, if you go to our YouTube, check that video out. Uh, I'm going to put out some more shirted stuff. But you pretty much just have the use of that chin type of grip. You know, if you curled your arms up and you're supinated your hands so your palms are facing your face. And uh, you're pretty much just trying to grab onto the bar. Most people do that. Uh, chin up hold you just kind of leverage it you lift yourself up plant yourself on your traps uh, I know some lifters who will get on the bench and just kind of um, fall back and handlers too will kind of um, jam their shoulders under for them uh, I like to just leverage myself because I got pretty proficient at that but you're not going to be able to put your hands out to the side of the posts and whatever there's it's a much more restricted movement you're probably not going to get in as good a setup in terms of positioning you really have to fight against the shirt. For those raw lifters who are very claustrophobic, probably not going to like the shirt too much, just giving you a warning. And I think a lot of people, even wearing the slingshot, kind of shy away from that just because now you have things pulling across your chest. You feel more restricted. Um, I guess it's a weird feeling at first. I'm trying to remember the first time I got into a slingshot. Uh, it was definitely weird. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. I was a little nervous. It probably landed near my face at some point. I remember the first time in the shirt had one whizzing right towards my face. That's your welcome to the club moment when Spe you get that wizard towards your face. Speaking of uh, just feeling a bench, when you feel a regular bench, you know, it just comes, you know, towards your chest, you know. But in a bench shirt, it goes one of two ways. It goes towards your face or it goes towards your legs. Yeah. Go right into your belly. Yeah. I've had all of them. <laughs> um, that's, that's true. I was telling uh, the guy last night, too, there's no room for error. Because a raw bench, you're just going down with it. You know, unless you rip a peck or you got something where you can't you can't push anymore, you're not going to lose it towards your face. It's just not going to happen. Uh, or someone's going to get it for you. But the thing with the shirt lifting, if you fall out of groove, that thing's whizzing towards your neck or it's falling into your gut. Either one's not fun. Or your wrists are doing some kind of floppy snap and it falls right into your chest cavity, crushes everything. And that's the end of you. Not to scare anyone. But it's dangerous. It, it can be very dangerous. So you got to make sure you have safeties. Make sure you have people around. And you got to be smart with it. Because you're lifting weight that you could never lift raw. You just wouldn't. It's, it's all uh, super maximal weight. 
All right. So once you fall out of groove, you definitely have nothing behind it. So that weight is coming down somewhere. All right. So be safe with it when you're in a shirt, especially when you're learning for the first time. Uh, I'm very lucky that I put up my safeties when I was learning. I have spotters around, but a lot of times, too, you're moving so much weight. Even if you do have side spots, back spot, you know, to expect them to catch that weight is a lot. It's a lot to demand. I know everyone talk about that USAPL. You ever see that squat fail? I The this recent past, one, this past yeah. weekend, yep. Yeah, the Nationals, Raw Nationals, some guy. Hit the lateral Oh, uh, He must have blew movement. his ACL out. Yeah, yeah his knee shot in. Uh, so that's probably the end of his knee, but shit like that happens, and you know everyone's blaming the spotters, but I wouldn't blame the spotters. I just blame the system because you, you can't happens. blame the spotters. It's like a lateral knee movement. You don't see him going down. The knee just caves. It, it goes instantly. And it happens way too quick. Yep. And uh, I actually saw an update on that guy. He, he's all right. Nothing too bad. You know, just some bruising. He was waiting for MRIs, but well, he didn't blow his knee. He out. didn't blow his knee out. No. I don't know what happened there. Well, uh, we'll, we'll throw the uh, video in the. In the YouTube video itself, you guys want to see, yeah. but that was wild. That well, was crazy. I for, I for sure thought his whole knee was gonna blow with that ACL or something. I don't know. He's lucky. That weight came down, and that was like Larry' uh, first time at the U.S. Open. Yeah, it was the first time, and uh, yeah, he went down pretty he, hard too. That weight was on him. Uh, but you can't fault the spotters today. You just gotta fault the system. You gotta have safeties up. That's why I hate that walkout stuff. Um, at least have safeties there, kind of like. Blaine Summers' big barrel drums he squats with. Let's have something. You can't it, rely on the spotters. Uh, especially with, like, a bench or a squat. Because if your legs move in, it's not like you're just going up and down. You know, if you start going down with the weights, probably some catchery that can put you up, that's not an issue. But if your leg caves in and then you go down, that's just instantaneous. That's a lot of weight. That's huge. For them to catch. Who's going to catch that kind of weight? I ain't catching that kind of weight. Can't expect everyone <laughs> to catch that kind of weight. <laughs> <laughs> What we got to do, here's an idea for you. We got to make those big old barrel drums that are going to hold 1,100 pounds and make them adjustable, and then you can eliminate the spotters altogether. You just have some guy in the back guiding them or people to guide them into the rack after. But you will talk about trying to make that an Olympic sport, and you, know, you don't want to crowd the stage. You want to be able to see the guy. You know, how about that? You just make these adjustable big-ass safeties. Guy can walk it out. It's adjusted to his depth height or whatever. And there you go. Don't have to worry about it too much. You got guys standby. You know, I think that's a way better thing than what we got going on now. If something happens quick, you know, you're effed. And the thing is, most of these spotters are volunteers. They've been doing this all day. You can't expect them, you know, just yeah. the logistics of it just don't make sense. It's tough. So, I, you know, that will not only clear the stage more and allow you to see the lifter doing what he's doing, but now you don't have these kind of incidents because you have something there protecting you. I think that would be a better idea. Uh, but, you know, powerlifting is so dumb in the aspect that everything is so old school. Like, you, you can't use a fat pad because it's not the regulation that's been used all these years. Um, you can't change the bars because you've been using this bar all these years. So it is what it is. I don't know who's going to change it. There's like 100 different federations. So it, it's kind of a shit shoot. Here's an idea for you, any of you app developers. This is another idea I had. Um, I can't develop nothing, but for anyone that does know, hit me up making a website or an app dedicated just to finding meets for lifters. If you think about it, I had a guy DM me 
He didn't even know where the hell to begin. It was going to be his first meet. All he knows is, is what other people would recommend if he even has any lifting friends. It's actually very hard for a lifter, if you don't know what's going on, to find a meet. you got to correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Powerlifting Watch have all the meets? They do, but I think they've kind of fallen by the wayside, and I don't even know if they're keeping up with that. Um, but if you're a new lifter, I mean, you wouldn't even know where to go for Powerlifting Watch. Um, I guess maybe you get a Google search, it'll come up. But for the most part, it's a shit shoot all these different federations. No one's going to know what's going on. So whoever can make a website dedicated just to getting a lifter in a meet, finding federations, finding the differences in the rules, just picking it apart to the simple stuff, you know, maybe this federation does this, 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 you know, and have a checklist to it, something very simple, organized, that's got to that be a killing. You know what I mean? You're going to be helping all these lifters find meets. You're growing the sport. <laughs> something good <laughs> anyways that's uh, that's all my ideas for you today take it and run with it if you don't do it I'll do it all right but he can't do it so he won't do it <laughs> so moving on technique is yeah, set up so much different hand placements different raw lifter I mean you could go anywhere really but shirt and lifter to get the most out of your shirt you want to gonna adopt the wider grip I'm talking widest legal I'm talking index on the ring uh, that's not the case for everyone, but to really cut that range, get a lot out of that shirt, stretch that shirt, you're gonna want index on the on the uh, on the ring. All right, and for the most part, when you get a new shirt, that's freaking hard. You might not be able to do it at first. A good tight shirt, that's how you know your shirt's good and tight. But I wouldn't freak out and send it back. You shouldn't be able to get your index finger on the other ring. Get one hand set. It should be a real struggle to get that other hand set. You know, usually you need someone to place that hand for you. Um, that's a sign of a good tight shirt. But, now, um, do you have another recommendation? Because I know usually for females or like more narrow shoulder guys, they have a different recommendation of how far they go. Raw. Oh, raw. Yeah. So for, so okay, for shirt, so shirt I just tell them put the index on the ring. I, like as far as you can get it. Yeah, index on the ring. That's the legal way. Um, and you're saying for raw, yeah. where to place your hands. Um, that's going to really be you know, based on the person's mechanics. Um, I mostly go off the look, usually in the bottom position, how I teach it. You want your elbows about 45 degrees away from the body, wrist stacked over the elbow, whatever grip yields that for you, that's what you should adopt. Maybe give yourself a finger out from there just uh, as precaution to be able to um, create that tightness under the bar in terms of bending. Um, but yeah, that's a good starting point. And then if you want to play around with different grips as you go, um, do the wide grip, usually closer to the meat, just the cut range of motion. If that yields you a stronger bench, then uh, that's a good strategy. But that would be where I start. Look at your bottom position. Wrist needs to be over the elbow, elbow 45 degrees away from the body. Um, that's where you want to be. So. Hand placement's a lot different. Bar path is going to be a lot different. We did a video on that at the whiteboard. How with a raw bar path, it's it's a half V, right? You want to travel out with that bar a little bit. You want to try to come right down to that spot. And then you want to throw back over your shoulders. Well, to get the most out of the shirt, we have to touch a lot lower. All right? For everyone's going to be a little different with how lower they touch. But you're going to have to travel downwards more with that bar. Because that shirt's going to spring you back. 
and you don't want to miss that groove. If you touch too high, talk about missing the groove, falling on your neck, that's probably what's going to end up happening. Uh, so you got to make sure you're in that groove. You're too low, that bar's dumping right into your belly. So you got to really nail that groove down um, and just travel straight down to the right spot. Be precise with it. You know, the shirt is great because everything I could tell you in terms of raw technique is now magnified a hundred times in the shirt. I think a lifter starting out, I think it could be super valuable for them to start out in gear and equipment because you learn this technique a hundred times better than you ever could raw because you're getting feedback mechanisms. You know, you're the lift slower. You know where you need to be. You're learning like a deadlift, for example. You can get away with just pulling straight up raw. But if you don't leverage back in the deadlift suit, if you don't lean back, leverage back, right, and then snap the hips at the end, you're not getting that lift. You're going to stall out halfway. Perfect example, one of the girls at the gym, right? First time, I think it was the first time she tried to pull in her suit. Um, great deadlifter, great raw deadlifter. Uh, I think her numbers are relatively the same. She's just so good raw. But she'd pull relatively straight up and down. Um, but, you know, she's capable of so much more than three plates, but three plates nailed her because she wasn't pulling back. And it's that suit. You got to really fight back with that bar. You actually got to counterbalance with that bar, which is a good thing to do raw anyway, too. But um, you learn all this technique when you're in the, in the, in the gear. And I think it's real valuable for someone to learn in the gear and then actually transition out to raw. I don't think it has to be the other way around. I think learning raw can be very tough sometimes. Uh, it's actually sometimes more difficult in terms of technique. They're just different. I wouldn't say one's more difficult than the other, but things are going to change to get the most out of your suit. But I think once you have a good understanding of what's going on in a suit or a shirt, then you're going to be able to transition over to raw much more effectively. And I don't think it has to be the other way around. They're just different. So, bar path's different. And like what I just talked about, everything's magnified 100%, 100 times. You know, so really beneficial just to learn in the gear. Give it a shot. The only reason raw people struggle going into the equipment is because that's, they started out raw for so long. If you started out in the equipment and asked someone to go to raw, sure, they might struggle at first, but I think they'd have a much quicker understanding of what the hell's going on. But raw is so popular now. Can't really expect everyone to start out in the gear. I think part of that has to do with in equipment, you have to be so precise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as we were talking about, is a hundred times magnified. Because I can get away with so much shit raw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Falling out of groove. Yep, you press back up. Yeah, knees trickling in. Unrack on the squat. That nails everybody. That was always tough for me. Just getting that, you know, it gets to the point where you, if you could just stand that, that mother effer up, you can drop it, you know, but it's just getting the thing up and steadying it. That's so damn hard. You know, you got a shit ton on your back. You got so much core control. You got to have your feet. You got to have your feet placed so perfectly underneath that bar or that weight is going to take you forward. It's going to take you backwards. You're not going to be able to unrack the thing, you know, because you're, you're unracking more weight than you could ever squat raw. So. Just picture that. I mean, as a raw lifter, I see lifters with their feet all the way back towards the wall. It's a freaking good morning. Or it's way out in front, and then somehow they don't fall back. But if you're in gear, you know where the hell you're placing your feet. It's got to be perfect. So, so I gotta that's get, a huge valuable thing for the, for the gear. 
I got a strong question from uh, Cole forty nine zero. Yeah. And he thinks that equip lifting has a much higher potential to injuring yourself. Uh, what do you think? I would say yes and no. So I think there's a lot of great protective benefits because now you're taking all that pressure. So if you have hip issues, if you have issues in your hip joint, right, raw squatting tends to hurt your hips, wide squats, um, sumo, deadlifting, if that bothers your hips, throw on a pair of briefs and let me know if you get the same feeling. Because you're taking so much tension off that area in the bottom that if you have any kind of issue going on there, you're probably not going to feel it anymore, and that's your weakest portion. Bench shirt, you come down there um, raw, you are very vulnerable at chest level, especially with a lot of weight. If you fall out of groove, do something wrong with enough weight, especially as you get technically sound, you, know, you get so good with technique that your, your technical max and your actual max are so close in terms of the strength and technique. Um, you have to be very, much more precise. And you're very, very vulnerable. If you fall out of groove a little bit, you know, that could be the end of your pec. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's very dangerous in that respect that you are very vulnerable in that bottom range. Um, but in the shirt, it's taking all that tension off that area. So just like squatting and briefs, if you have a hip issue, you're going to feel much, much better throwing those briefs on. Um, and Donnie Thompson would actually recommend that. I know uh, when you had some hip issues going on, your hips are a little beat up, just throw on a light pair of briefs and spare yourself a little bit. You know, use it as a protective measure. These are great protective tools. They started out as protection. The only reason it can be dangerous, and I would agree to that as well, that it can be much more dangerous too. Um, in a different way because now you're handling so much weight that if that shit falls out of groove it's going to clock you right in the face or you're handling so much weight in the squat if you fall out of groove you're going somewhere so I'd say yes and no you know lifting in general what we do powerlifting is dangerous as shit you know it's just the way you spin it you get under a heavy ass bar you never lifted before there's a lot of danger involved in that, you know, which is why we usually save that for the meet. We only got so many max attempts in us. Um, but I wouldn't say one's more dangerous than the other. I would just say it's different. It's just ver one's, one's more dangerous in, in the aspect that you're very vulnerable in certain areas and the other's very dangerous in terms of you need good people around you to make sure you stay safe and you're lifting weight that you can never handle just your body. So a lot can go wrong. So they're just different. But then again, there's always a risk in any sport. You know, if, yeah. if we were trying to be risk averse, we just go into general lifting, lifting for fitness, you know, not powerlifting, not like maximal attempts. Yeah. I, as soon as you get past that probably 85% threshold, I, even below, I mean, you are really playing with fire. Um, you're really testing yourself and your ability. So a lot can go wrong. But again, like anything, a lot can go wrong skiing. I felt that. I went down a hill once. I cannot stop. I just kept going, hoping I didn't hit anyone. But I made it. And I'd always fall gracefully. Best friend's sister tore her ACL skiing. That's wild. That's, that's a rough one. I never want that to happen. I'm nervous. I didn't tear nothing yet. Try not to. Um, in terms of training, 
the differences in training in the shirt versus raw. Let's just throw this stat out there. World record raw, 738 pounds by Kirill. I can't say his first name. Sarachev, whatever the hell. It's Russian, of course. Shirted, world record. Not official, but I'm going to give it to him because he's the GOAT of benching. 11.02 by Mr. Tiny Meeker. I don't know the difference between. It's got to be like 380 pounds. That's a shit ton. If you're getting 300 pounds out of your shirt, that's a shit ton. Uh, you're getting almost 400 pounds. That's an extra shit ton. <laughs> you're talking a lot of extra. So you can see these things. Depending how technically proficient you are, you can add a lot of weight. I'd say on average, lifters get maybe 100. Um, the better you get, the more you'll get out of it. Um, but I'd say 100 is, on average, what you should be getting. Um, you know, as your average lifter. But that's a lot of weight difference. And, you know, some of the difference in terms of training. And you, you can train both at the same time. You tra can train for a good raw bench and a good shirt bench at the same time. And I think there's a lot of value to bringing up your raw lifts. Um, but then again, like we just talked about, technique is so different. And in terms of exercises you're doing, those are going to be different too because in the shirt, you demand a lot of top end strength. So it's like the slingshot. It's giving you help off the bottom. You don't need as much strength in the bottom. You need more technique than anything to hold your position. Um, you do need strength to do that too, good stability strength. Um, but you're really going to need a lot of pop in your triceps. you got to have strong triceps. You can lock that weight out because as that weight comes up, while you're in a more advantageous position, that's a shit ton of weight, and the shirt's giving you less and less. Um, especially those damn Metal Jack shirts. Hate those things. Pretty much halfway up, it's a raw press. But um, you gotta have strong triceps and good top end strength. Raw, you gotta have great bottom end strength. So the differences between them, if you're training for a raw meet, you're probably gonna wanna do a shit ton of pauses, photo presses, all that stuff where you live at the bottom majority of the time. If you're training for uh, a shirted meet, you're going to want to hammer your tries, four presses, close grip um, on, the, on the boards. Uh, you're going to want to do all that top end stuff. All right, pin presses. Um, really build up the tries, a lot of tricep stuff. Um, so there's going to be a lot of differences in terms of what you do in training as well. So keep that in mind. Um, that, that's a big difference as well. So um, I guess the whole point of this podcast today was to introduce you to the side of, of shirt benching, give you a little more knowledge on that, what some of the differences are, and to encourage raw lifters to try out the shirt. I hope I didn't scare anyone. I think I might have scared some people today. That's all right. It probably wasn't going to be good for you anyway if you're nervous. But... To get some of these raw lifters to try on a shirt, I think it would be really cool for you guys. And for some of these shirted guys that have been diehard shirted guys, maybe try out some raw lifting because it is different. Um, and just to explore different avenues of training and lifting, competing. Um, it's not all raw at the meets. All right. There's other divisions. There's multiply. You can wear a single ply shirt. It's just different, guys. And, and I encourage you to go out, explore that. Uh, maybe if you're first time starting out going into a shirt 
getting a nice single ply shirt you can't go wrong ends are tight and metal um, you just get a shirt on go on eBay find something really cheap um, just get something on and play around with it all right try it out I love seeing the guys that come in here on Friday first times in shirts uh, everyone else is doing it so they just try it on and listen hitting big weight is real fun so they get hooked and uh, there you go so you could compete at a meet like that it's not cheating guys F that bullshit um, it's just different it's just different stuff different terms of racing you know so uh, try it out and I hope I uh, hope this podcast gave you some background info answered some questions for you if you got any more questions feel free to shoot me an email message me Instagram whatever it's coach Ben at bigbenches.com all right and uh, that's gonna wrap us up. We got any ending questions coming in? Nothing. Just some comments. No, I think we're all good. We're all, all wrapped right. up. All right. You follow me at Small Arm Legstrong on Instagram. Yeah, and make sure you go on iTunes. Leave a five star review. Very appreciated. Leave your comments. Um, you want to subscribe to us on YouTube? We got oh, almost three years coming up. Going to be coming up on three years of bench press content. Lifters have loved. All our valuable information on the YouTubes, all the full videos are up there. A lot of cool stuff coming out. And then, uh, you know, of course, Instagram, you can catch the live feeds, interact with us there. Uh, So I appreciate you listening very much. And you have been listening to The Benchcast.